Aalto University Podcast. And another question. Is it okay that I call you Esa? Yeah, of course. Good. Okay. Uh, so I'll just start chatting. Good. Last summer, philosopher Esa Saarinen retired from Aalto University after lecturing as a professor for 19 years. He was a very popular teacher and he leaves an impressive legacy. But what is his teaching philosophy? I had the chance to talk with the professor emeritus at the Aalto University School of Business. This is the first of two episodes. This episode of Future-Led Learning marks the beginning of the Oasis of Radical Wellbeing project. Please see more at radicalwellbeing.aalto.fi. My name is Rika Evans, and this is Future-Led Learning. Welcome aboard. Future-Led Learning by Aalto University. Hello, Esa, Hello. and welcome. Thank you. It is such an honor to have you here. Uh, To be to be able to interview you for this podcast is a truly an honor for me. So welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here uh, back at the campus. Uh, I haven't been here for quite some time, and and it's it's uh, one already feels the energy. I'm I'm sure. What kind of emotions did it bring to you? Well, one of the feelings before Corona uh, came back to me, which is this, this kind of feeling of a neighborhood in a warm sense in, in which you see people in the midst of their lives and, and, and it sort of ignites your imagination as to what's going on in their lives. But the, but many people greet me uh, and when I approach somebody, I, I sort of look at the person uh, checking what, what's going to happen. And, and so, so, I'm, so I'm ready to greet the person, although it could be I don't remember the person. Uh, of course, in most cases, I don't really remember people that well generally. But so many people have been to my lectures and and and, and might know me from some other source. So uh, quite often, people sort of nod their head or there's an eye contact, which I think is great because it's that kind of sense of a neighborhood, which creates uh, a basis for. Uh, feeling safe and and therefore for uh freewheeling thoughts to start to go upward you have just retired as a professor and you are now an emeritus professor yes how does that feel it feels great it's it's uh, i i didn't really expect it to be so good or, or particularly uh outside the university i, I encounter this that When people hear I'm uh, emeritus professor, they, they don't really know what it means, but they they feel that it it means something that somehow suits in their view me, uh, and 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 it, it's it's uh, I mean it sounds like some kind of independent uh, professor of some kind of distinction, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 uh, I think a philosopher actually should feel. That he is, she is independent, and 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 still there is the academic, uh, university, uh, rationality, uh, civilization connection. So, 
what are you up to now? What what are you going to do after you are now, you're no longer teaching actively at the university. So what kind of projects do you have? Uh, well, uh, some projects that I already did have before retirement continue. Uh, also some of the supervisions, uh, some of the work with uh, some of my uh, PhD students continue, but also continue certain lines of research, particularly related to my own, uh, well, style of lecturing or my, my style of philosophy uh, is, is something I continue uh, very intensely, particularly with Jakob Korhonen, the life-saving, uh, uh, chief life-saving officer of the Aalto University as Eloranta once dubbed Adapt him. Uh, so with Jakob, we continue to work uh, uh, re regarding the more um, scientific aspects of my uh, my lecturing. Uh, but I also try to write now in ways that I don't really know as yet what the format will be. So so. Um, Uh, oh, oh, I mean, I, I write in English and I write in Finnish and I it's unclear what it's going to be. It's, some parts of it probably will emerge as articles, mm. but there could be other formats as well. And in addition to that, I, um, uh, I do lecture um, uh, virtually and, and also uh, when uh, sufficiently interesting calls come um, physically. Because I, I love the uh, lecturing situation. I believe it's uh, it's as it were a platform of art, which I enjoy so much to uh, to take and 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 then try to make something out of. That sounds wonderful. Platform of art. Art. Of course, uh, I'm, I'm a university guy all my adult life, so the context is one where the chief belief of something valuable where it comes from is reason and and our rational faculties but but since at least 80s I, i've been excited from the situation uh, that starts to emerge when i'm having um, a live situation in front of a live audience in which I'm going through some themes of interest with, with kind of rational line of thought uh, as, as the main idea. But more and more with the feel of the situation as equally important. So so therefore, I suppose my lecture started to, you know, at least in my own mind, a kind of a form of performative art almost. Well, actually, that's how I just thought about it. I, I, it, uh, I, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant from the point of view of quote unquote real artists. But anyway, uh, th there are aspects to the situation of a lecture, the way I think about it, that relate to, for instance, the connectivity to the audience and uh, how people in the audience receive whatever I try to present 
and also how they experience the situation. So thought as something that takes place also through the realm of emotions, affect, uh, sensibilities, kind of um, multi-dimensional thinking of some kind. Is, is, is what I uh, try to facilitate in the lecture context. So, so uh, when thinking about it from the meta level and trying to conceptualize as to what it is, uh, I, I find art as a very useful metaphor. And, and many of my good friends are professionals of theater and of performing art. Like Jorma Wotinen, for instance, the choreographer and dancer has been my good friend uh, since the 80s. And, and, uh, and, and some others have led me to think about, as it were, the delivery as only part of what's important in the situation. It's, it's, uh, and, and, and therefore some kind of uh, more holistic way of thinking about the lecture situation has uh, started to intrigue me. But it's also something that throws me back. I want to get back to that platform of expression and, and that platform of exploration also. That's how I feel about it. It's, it's, uh, I, I always feel very excited when I manage to go through some theme in some, I feel, fresh way or I'm, I'm able to bring back to as the, the old tune some new nuances. So, for instance, in the philosophy and systems thinking course, where I had the same team for several years, and of course, Jakob Gorhonen was there uh, really for quite some time, and, and, and Jakob was as the chief assistant. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I also wanted to surprise them with, with some line of uh, thought that might seem to be pretty much like what I had been presenting, let's say, five times previously. But, but, but still, I wanted to uh, bring in something that would be there and th then uh, uh, exciting and, 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 and bring into kind of a present moment mm -hmm. to be part of the, the lecture experience. So you're mentioning that uh, you've have a, you have a long career here. You started 20 years ago. At the before Aldo at the Helsinki School of Technology, is that correct? Yes, Helsinki University of Te Technology. Helsinki University, yes. I'm so young. That's that right. I can't that, even remember that, the correct that's name. Right. <laughs> 2001 or 2002, uh, in, in, uh, maybe it's it's uh, it's in in It's yeah. It was an engineering school. Yeah. If uh, you think of back then, and and you think now, um, how would you describe the? the sort of development of the learning culture in the engineering schools? The difference isn't that, that huge, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but, uh, I mean, it could be that I have some kind of nostalgia in the, in the way I perceive things, but uh, Helsinki University of Technology, I thought, had a pretty great culture uh, in, in, in terms of going towards what works. So, so the kind of engineering mindset, I thought, had uh, a considerable place also in the pedagogical landscape. So, so of course, I didn't study there. So, uh, so uh, pr probably there were, I mean, like in any 
institution where individuals ultimately are the ones that um, give the, the the form, whatever had, takes place, it's probably the variation is, is pretty huge. But all in all, I thought that it's, it was uh, excitement in whatever you were doing and when whatever you wanted to teach about that 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 was and still is a cornerstone uh the technologies that have come to play a part in uh in our teaching since uh those days of course have changed and and there there are all kinds of ways to make teaching more exciting but ultimately i think it's it's the excitement of the teacher himself or herself that is a critical element along with the desire to connect with whoever is present. So, so to me, technologies really are not that significant. It's, it's just kind of fast where uh, human attunement vis-a-vis -vis oneself and the subject matter on the one hand, and, and then uh, on the other hand, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the people that are present, be those students or colleagues or whoever they might be. But it's it's uh, it's also belief in in, in that kind of uh, more majestic, grander, more in my terms upscale uh, thinking regarding what university should be. That at least I experienced was there in Otaniemi in two thousand and two, and and that's what I uh, feel there is in Otaniemi today through Alto. And, and uh, at the same time, given that my own uh, field, if it's a field, is, is philosophy, which really isn't, uh, I think, a topic that you could approach very fruitfully as an expert, as a, sec as a kind of sector of something. But, but it's something I think that connects us. It's... Uh, I, I, I feel very much at home in Aalto because of Aalto's explicit desire to make people move uh, not only vertically, but also horizontally, uh, and not only mentally, but also socially. Uh, but I actually did feel already at, at the time of Helsinki University of Technology uh, in, in Otaniemi, when I studied in the early 2000s, that both those elements were there in place. Many times we think that there should be some like big changes, but but yeah, thinking of it from that perspective, I, I do agree with you. And it's like, how do we connect with our students as teachers? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, uh, well, well, I mean, that there's, there's so much talk about change that... Uh, my, my own inclination, more and more, is to uh, is, is to try to figure out well what what hasn't changed. I, I mean, what what's still exactly as it was? I, I would say, well, we as human beings, we are pretty much as we were twenty years ago. It's it's uh, in in some fundamentals. So so, uh, but it could be that the fundamentals, which were the same twenty years ago and and two thousand years ago. Uh, might become uh, marginalized as a result of something that ultimately is pretty superficial. It's just surface phenomena that, that might uh, catch our attention. 
with the result that we lose sight of what truly counts. So, so, so to me, uh, it's it's that kind of what truly counts kind of thing, thought or or kind of orientation maybe that that I try to maybe uh, um, safeguard to some extent or somehow bring back to the lecture halls. It's it's uh, I mean from my point of view in the lecture halls, what was at stake was human growth and uh, the the. Uh, growth in our rational faculties was basically just an instrument to that effect. So the channel, as it were. But human growth was what it was supposed to be, what we here serve. So, uh, and, and that really hasn't changed. It, it's uh, the fact that if one feels, for instance, accepted as a human being, it's, it's more likely that the person is ready mentally to engage in, in some a wild uh, line of thought, some possibility, uh, and 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 uh, and also push himself or herself far with whatever uh, it has, is at stake. So so uh, that kind of warmth to me is uh, is is part of also of the uh, individual level strive and also of the uh, mental cognitive intellectual strive. So. Uh, and 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 that the fact that that is the case to me is not, nothing really rocket science. It's just of acknowledging this is what a human being is like. A, a, a human being in a lecture room is is going to be more attentive if he or she feels somehow accepted, if he or she has been greeted, let's say, uh, as he or she entered the space. And and uh, it's it's uh, I mean it's not a good idea to create uh, feelings of inferiority in human beings as a general rule, I would say. So, so, uh, so to the extent we can be encouraging to one another, I think is good. And, 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 and that's not to uh, play act as something unrealistic or some kind of represent some kind of ideological positive thinking. It's just, I, I think just, general civility, basically. I mean, why not be friendly? Why not sort of look at people kindly? It is, I mean, what's there to lose? So, 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 uh, because there are always these aspects in people that uh, uh, might not be there immediately to perceive. It's, it could be the pers- person himself, herself hasn't noticed the fact that he or she has these, these seeds of something beautiful that could start to, to flourish if the situation would be uh, suitable and, 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 and if, if there would be enough sun and, and suitable amount of rain uh, coming in so the spring would start to emerge. That kind of thinking is, is how I think. But the, uh, me thinking that, it, it, from my point of view, it, it isn't some kind of, you know, this is great philosophy, everybody should... Now listen very carefully. It's, I think that basically everybody thinks the same way. It's, it's just that we often don't have the time to sort of reflect uh, as to what do we really think regarding particularly our own thinking and regarding the broader themes of life. So uh, my aim has been to try to create, at least in the context of one lecture series, uh, at our university or context where people could engage in such reflections. Future-led learning. You've said that better thinking leads to better life. Um, 
which leads us to the sort of um, teaching philosophy level. How do you see learning and teaching? Where, because learning is not always easy and learning doesn't always feel nice. Sometimes learning is also painful. So how do we really support that process when we want to support the thinking of thinking? And, and you know, how how do you see that? Well, well f- f- first of all, I think it's important to, to uh, point out that I'm not an expert uh, of learning or teaching or pedagogy in the sense in th- that that I would know uh, what kind of research has been conducted and what, what kind of uh, insights have resulted. Uh, whatever I might know or believe I know regarding learning or teaching is is really based on just my own experience. But I don't really know how generic the conclusions that on the basis of my experience are in the offing. But but if I do turn to my own experience, I would say that a key point in learning and, and a key point, therefore, in teaching is the way uh, the individual who is engaged in potential learning places himself or herself in her life. So it's 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 kind of an overall attitude, overall motivation, or overall uh, uh, atmosphere in his or her life that I think is is, is really the fundamental operating system, as opposed to various applications that were programs that might then run on that operating system. But the operating system is deeply human in its logic, meaning that it's it's sensitive to all kinds of uh, highly contingent uh, initial parameters. So so uh, for, from that point of view, I think it's it's so important to somehow try to make the overall context of learning and teaching to be one that supports what uh, Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. And and uh, I, I think it really is quite a, not only a beautiful metaphor, but I think it's quite an apt metaphor because to me, at least, uh, the metaphor of an angel refers to something that is extremely quick. Uh, but it's also something that you really don't know, as it were, intellectually, uh, why they operate the way they operate, except that they somehow operate from the point of view of something good. So, so, so it could be that uh, uh, somebody is um, carrying burden from his or her past that is 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 just uh, awful and beyond comprehension, but you don't know about it. So, therefore, it could be that the person hasn't really encounter the situation of acceptance of the kind that somebody's way of looking at him or her just somehow reinforces it's it's uh, i mean it's it's this kind of non-linear possibilities for growth in learning and teaching that i believe are part and parcel of the operating system of us as human beings at least take into account 
but uh, meaning that if if we take too straightforward a, a, approach, it's it's likely to diminish the returns. I, I mean, let me uh, let me say it this way. Earlier this year, I was talking with Bengt Holmström, and Bengt Holmström had met with some 20 other people because of the fact that certain Bob Wilson had received Nobel Prize in economics. Now, the certain Bob Wilson got uh, the uh, Nobel Prize quite late in his life. But Bengt and uh, these other people that met were very delighted and excited and pleased of the fact that Bob Wilson had gotten the prize because they had been former students of Bob Wilson and respected him tremendously. So apparently there were a bunch of novelists and a bunch of other people that were noteworthy and prominent in, in other respects that were former students of Bob Wilson who had now received the prize. And, and, and Bengt said that we were talking there uh, regarding the theme, what did Bob do in the context of his teaching? And with some, some laughter, Bengt said that we all agreed that we didn't really know what he did. It's, it's uh, I mean, uh, the, the overall impression was that this is decades after the fact, was that you would meet with Bob and, and uh, he would talk about something and you didn't really know why do we talk about the something we talk about. And at the end, he, he would say that here's an article you might want to read without pointing out why should I read it or what's particularly important in the, in the article. It, it, it's, 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 it's unclear as to what really the point was. But apparently there was a point, given that there's X number of Nobelists among the students and these other people that have been able to pick up something from the teaching, whatever the teaching was. So, so it's, it's that kind of indirect effects of teaching that to me are so exciting and, and so fundamental. That's not to disrespect, as it were, the content-related heart core of, uh, of, of, of any serious teaching. I mean, in any field of expertise, obviously, there, there are some fundamentals. But somehow there is this uh, additional element that that is, I think, even more important, and and uh, it's again, it wouldn't mean that, like in my case, I wouldn't be excited about, let's say, Plato, or Aristotle. It's it's I'm tremendously excited about Plato and about Aristotle and all all kinds of, you'd say, uh, content-wise core aspects of my own field, if it's a field philosophy. But still, my hope is that whatever people have picked up from my so-called teaching is something that strengthens them intellectually and humanly in their own lives. And that something is not likely to be, I think, a function of how much they got insight into Plato or Aristotle or systems thinking or any nameable theme per se from my, whatever my teaching was. It's it's so I, I, actually I, I I'm quite fond of the 
Bengt Holmström, Bob Wilson story, because I, I sure hope that my own legacy would be a Bob Wilson legacy. I think it would be really great if, if people would meet, let's say, 20 years after I'm dead and talk about Esa's teaching and, and they wouldn't come up with anything. I really said that somehow would have been to, as the core of whatever they got with them to their parts uh, forward and in, in their own uh, particular uh, ways of, of growing as human beings. I, 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 and, and this, I think, is, is also what particularly prominently comes through in the field of art. Because the artist, like Jorma Uotinen, when he makes a choreography, doesn't really aim at some particular effect on the audience. It's, it's, you, you, you somehow try to do something that, 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 that makes people feel about their own lives more deeply. And, and, and therefore find ways forward that, that nobody would have been able even to think about. That's the nonlinear aspect. And, and again, maybe a third covenant. That, uh, all of this is not to say that there wouldn't be important aspects of the field of teaching or, or, uh, or, or learning as a psychological process that one shouldn't look into and, and take seriously. I, uh, I very much encourage anybody, let's say, um, younger teachers at our university to engage in all kinds of pedagogical possibilities that are there uh, and, and are offered uh, in an organized way. It's just that the, the, the fundamental aspect, I think, is us as human beings and reaching out towards teaching and learning through that fundamental operating system, uh, I, I, I think is something that, at least in my case, ha has been uh, really the core of what I, whatever I try to do. Future-led learning. You have been listening to the Future-led Learning podcast with Riikka Evans. And this episode featured Esa Saarinen, Professor Emeritus at Aalto University. This was the first episode of two. Please listen to the other episode as well. Future Learning Podcast is a part of the Oasis of Radical Wellbeing project at Aalto University. Please find out more at radicalwellbeing.aalto.fi. All the University Podcast.